0: Damn um. to episode 93 of the Kino Lefter podcast, a podcast about socialism at the movies. I'm your host, Evan, at McDonald Tweets. And this week, uh, I'm joined by a friend of the show, writer, <laughs> uh, activist, and Kino Lefter alumna, uh, Laura Cruz. Laura, how are you doing?
1: Hi. Uh, you know where to find me. Hi, everyone. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to be back just for watching one shitty movie this week
0: (laughs) yeah you've escaped the torment of having to watch all of the bad movies uh but we brought you back in for one particular bad film (laughs) um
1: you've brought me in as cover to not get canceled (laughs) because because you've directed me with a with the google docs that say evan's problematic horny question mark thoughts yeah uh, that laura has to say yeah
0: the the Google Doc that I shared with you says normalizing pedophilia um and uh you know the Netflix logo is there with a pentagram on it so uh if you didn't pick Netflix
1: up Netflix is uh mostly made of triangles if you think about it,
0: oh yeah, a hundred percent and and anytime I see a triangle in a logo, I'm like, ooh, that's bad, <laughs> that's pretty nasty. Um, If you haven't picked up on the context clues or read the episode title yet, we are talking about the 2020 French film Cuties, which I believe the French title is Minions.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Minions.
0: Minions. This is the Minions movie. So um, to quickly talk about the plot. um, So the movie uh, centers around a girl named Amy, who is from a Senegalese family who now lives in France. um, And she has like a conservative uh, Muslim upbringing. And then uh, she becomes fascinated with this dance crew named the cuties who are also like the popular girls at her school. Um, And they get introduced in a very funny way. Um, They're like, you know, dancing at one point, but then they also do the mannequin challenge at school. Um, which, that's a massive throwback. Huge throwback to the mannequin challenge. I'm remembering Hillary on the plane doing it with all of her fucking advisors. Um, so, uh, it's
1: a period piece during the Hillary Clinton um, campaign.
0: 2016 period pieces, I think there's a big market for that, personally. Uh, so, um, yeah, she, she also realizes that her father has uh, taken a second wife... Um, And her mother is, like, in deep emotional turmoil about it. Um, This is something I actually liked about the movie. I thought they kind of captured this family dynamic pretty well. I thought the mom was really well portrayed. Um, So um, she gets a phone. She gets a smartphone from her cousin. She steals a smartphone. And then she's entered into the world of social media and how it projects unhealthy body images onto young women. Um, They
1: call it a cell phone because it entraps you in a prison of narcissism.
0: What would Foucault say when holding a cell phone? <laughs> ah, uh, they've it made is the...
1: <laughs> it is the panopticon for sure.
0: It's like the end of the Steve Jobs movie with Michael Fassbender, and he's talking to his daughter, and he's like, "One day you'll be able to fit uh, a thousand prisoners in your pocket." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, Amy gets uh, closer to the the cuties, um, and uh, they get her to record this boy in the bathroom oh very very sensitive subject um and uh she realizes that the cuties are per- are going to participate in an upcoming dance competition um who will be america's next best dance crew we don't know yet um but their main competition is a group called i shit you not the sweetie swags which <laughs> is unbelievable um i know this is like france and they're a disease country and everything else but um The Sweetie Swags really took me out of the experience just as a concept. (laughs) And uh, so events in the film happen, you know, she, like, she's, uh, her body image is getting changed by social media and the expectation of her peers. Um, She participates. Some
1: crop tops.
0: Yeah, she's wearing crop tops. They're doing sexual style dances and it's very inappropriate (laughs) and i was screaming at the screen the entire time um don't worry i am i am not a pedophile this is uh, a laura i need to ask this question before we continue any further are you a convicted pedophile
1: i I am not
0: okay i am also not so listeners you know that you can trust this (laughs)
1: 100 percent non-pedophilic content upcoming
0: yeah, um, so uh, they have this big dance competition at the end of the movie um, that coincides with um, her dad's wedding to his second wife because she was in Senegal um, and then they're like coming to France. So they were getting ready for that. So Amy is like, she she gets ousted from the friend group at one point point, um, and then uh, there's this old friend who was ousted at one point who came back in. And then she pushes her into a river, in a very funny scene. But then she can't swim, so she doesn't save her or anything. She just walks the beautiful away. Beautiful and
1: scenic <laughs> river said that flows through the heart of Paris.
0: Yeah, and uh, so she goes to the dance competition. Um, they're they're gyrating in very inappropriate ways that uh, made me frown. Obviously, um,
1: actually I was I was annoyed because it looked like they just lifted a lot of the uh, choreography right out of the, um. Fade video with Tiana Taylor dancing to the Kanye West song. Very notoriously, very horny video. But a mm. lot of the moves were just lifted directly from that.
0: Interesting. And you know, kids, they're going to repeat whatever they see on their freaking <laughs> screens. Um, <laughs> so kind of uh, near the climax of the song, Amy starts crying. Um, there's a lot of, there's like two kind of like visual metaphors in this movie where I was like, wait, I need to rewind. One is um, there's this blood On a dress in her closet and i was like wait did she nick her hand while she was cutting vegetables i had to rewind it no (laughs) it's symbolic because she's getting her period um Mm -hmm. and uh that that's a big moment in the movie you know she's entering womanhood um and she's presented with these two differing models of of femininity and then the last kind of weird visual thing is like there are these like uh i don't know what do you call them? Like the little paper shiny things that you throw at celebrations. Confetti. Confetti. <laughs> There's confetti <laughs> falling on her head. Um And then she realizes, oh, my God, I'm missing the wedding, which she must have already known, but whatever. So then she runs back home and uh like her mom is there and she's in this like beautiful dress. But like she's like. The, I really love the performance of the mom in this. Like, you probably shouldn't watch this movie, but I think this is one of the only reasons why. It's like this actress's particular performance where um, uh, the aunt is like very traditional and she's very upset with Amy and she's like, oh, you're dressed like a whore. This is inappropriate, blah, blah, blah. And then the mom's like, you know what? Let, don't yell at my daughter. I'll fix it. And then she goes into the room and she's like, eh, you don't have to come to the wedding <laughs> and yeah. uh, walks away. Um and then Amy uh, leaves this experience a changed person. Some kind of synthesis has happened or she's learned, you know, she doesn't really participate in the wedding, but she's also not going back to the dance competition. And then she plays she jump rope.
1: A full a full length shirt.
0: <laughs> yeah. She's in a uh, normal child attire. I think all the kids are 11 in this movie. I think that's mm-hmm. the age range they were trying to target. Um, and then she, she plays a uh, jump rope outside and she reenters her childhood uh experience so laura um we were talking a little bit about partic- like doing cuties as a movie because the number one way that people are engaging with this film is uh through uh conspiracy hysteria getting mad online so who else to call up to this podcast to cover it than yourself um how did you first hear about uh this movie
1: Well, I think I heard about it first because um, I saw a tweet that was like, Netflix, you released a documentary on Jeffrey Epstein and then you did this. And it was like a picture of the girls dancing. Um, So I knew right from the get-go that this was about to be a big old culture war thing. And I think what's interesting about this is that um, it cuts across like, all sides of the political spectrum like everyone it's a we're all reaching across the aisle to get mad about cuties which in my opinion is a very not offensive movie (laughs) right like there was we can get into this later there was a few things where I was like I don't know I I, there if you've ever seen a child's dance rehearsal recital they do dress like that and it's fine you know what I mean um so I didn't really think it was that crazy um I also thought there were some aspects of the movie that uh felt pretty true um to me as and my former experience as a a Laura Cruz former former (laughs) preteen as a former child (laughs) as as a former preteen at another point in my life um so yeah that was where I where I came across it was in that Uh, in the hysterics online
0: yeah my my first uh, experience with the movie besides for laughing at the french title because it does read as minions if you don't do a french (laughs) accent um, is um, basically there was this poster that netflix tweeted um, because the uh, regular the original poster for the film is like the girls running down this street holding like shopping bags and it looks like a playful coming-of-age movie and then the netflix poster is them in their like dance outfits which are like you know booty shorts and like it's not really a a crop top like a you know a very small top um like a, a dance outfit that children usually wear when they're doing these like dance competitions and like i think it's interesting that like americans in particular are upset about like performatively upset about cuties because they are also a country of like child pageants (laughs) like this this kind of stuff is like very normal uh for an american audience but of course the movie's french um and i think there's this interesting sort of uh uh like nexus of netflix being perceived by conservatives or normal people online as like a progressive company like a left tech company um Mm -hmm. so yeah all of this started when the poster was tweeted out um And uh, I'm getting a lot of my information for this episode from the wonderful Julie Alexander's article from The Verge, um, Why Cancel Netflix is Trending. Um, And it kind of gives you a history of, you know, who's involved, what happened when. Um, So Netflix had to release a statement on August 20th um, saying that it was not okay, nor was it representative of this French film, which won an award at Sundance. So this movie has been called a lot of things
1: cancel Sundance is what we should be (laughs) focused on here
0: (laughs) yeah god no more no more celebrated indie darlings being scooped up by (laughs) the Weinsteins um so there has been a range of uh of commentary that's come out about this movie um so uh Dana Loesch Um, the NRA spokesperson said that Netflix needs to, uh, ban the film immediately. Um, so thank you, Dana. Um, and, uh, other people have called it, like, soft child pornography. Um. Ridiculous. And, uh, Tulsi Gabbard, uh, (laughs) a interesting character in American politics, said, at Netflix, child porn cuties will certainly whet the appetite of pedophiles and help fuel the child sex trafficking trade. One in four victims of trafficking are children. It happens to it happened to my friend's 13-year-old daughter. Netflix, you are now complicit. Hashtag cancel Netflix. So that's a very interesting uh, statement. I would
1: love to know where she's getting that stat. <laughs>
0: exactly so uh, another another great reason to have you on the show this week Laura um, is that you have a column over at the progress report um, called the red S- red string on uh, sort of conspiracy thinking and in our political lives and uh, your latest article from the 16th was on hashtag save the children human trafficking hysteria and the expansion of the police state so Laura what can you tell me about your article what what made you decide to write it and what uh, how, what do you see its connectivity to, to the cuties discourse as?
1: Yeah, so I wrote this article um, because of the prevalence of the Save the Children rallies, which um, basically Save the Children exists as a uh, legitimizing front for the QAnon conspiracy. And so um, I saw people of all... My friends, my my mutuals, one of my followers were, were liking these tweets that were saying things like, oh, all these children in Georgia were found in a double wide trailer, um, which is not true. They they were not found in a double wide trailer. It was found as a larger part of an operation and stuff like the Wayfair conspiracy and how it all kind of um, ties back to this uh, moment that we're living in that is hyper focused on this um, issue of you know, quote unquote, child sex trafficking. And um, this is obviously like, a lot of fuel to the fire has been added because of things like the lack of justice or accountability in terms of the Epstein case, which is obviously well documented and very true um, versions of, you know, uh, teen sex trafficking. And um, And so it's very understandable that people are concerned. And I think that right now in this moment of particular atomization, in particular um, feelings of fear and helplessness, precarity, um, financial instability, that people are kind of latching on to these stories about this like huge evil that's going on, regardless of if they're subscribed to the beliefs of QAnon or not. And so um, this... The, the thing is, is that, yes, it is a unique moment in terms of this is flaring up, but this exists in a pattern, right? We have stuff like the Stranger Danger Panic of the 80s, out of which emerged... Um, issues like the satanic panic where people were thinking that childcare centers were you know torturing and and sexually abusing their children which actually led to real arrests and real people spending you know 20 years of their lives in prison on on things that were completely false um and more often than not these these kinds of panics they they harm the most marginalized in our society. So um, you know, panic about um, panic about danger to white children and white women, uh, you know, has <laughs> influenced all kinds of like racist policy. Um, you know, it was a huge part of the logic of chattel slavery um it's it's you know ties into the head tax on chinese migration to canada because people were scared that white women were being sold as sex slaves in opium dens so this is kind of like this particular moment and how it's being articulated um it it it's just a one little blip in this pattern of of you know, fear that, you know, at any moment, you're always in danger. And um, this is basically used as the justifying logic for, um, you know, the expansion of border security, the expansion of uh, police surveillance. And um, really, when it comes down to it, crackdowns on sex workers, because, um, you know, as people are talking about it, we don't conceptualize of, human trafficking as what it typically actually is, which is people's migration status um, being in flux because of, you know, maybe they were temporary foreign workers and then lost their job and now are working undocumented because they can't go back to the Philippines or Mexico or the Caribbean or wherever they're coming from. Um, And that's when the really dangerous things that are happening to people and they're working in really unsafe environments happen. So, you know, we never think about human trafficking as, you know, people on construction sites or in nail salons or in the home working with domestic labor. Um, It's always conflated with this idea of sex trafficking, which um, leads to, you know, very punitive measures like the adoption of the Nordic model or uh, deportation of uh, sex workers who are working without documentation.
0: Mufasa's has come to join me up on my desk. One thing that I think is really interesting about um what you said um, is sort of the like dichotomy between um the types of things that mostly like right wing like internet users um or even like anybody can get swept into this like the kinds of things that they get told to be mad about which are you know not to, like largely fantasy. Um, this sort of fantasy about like millions of children going missing every year. Um, and, uh, I have to lift Mufasa off my desk. Too naughty, too naughty. He's not allowed on the (laughs) podcast anymore. Um, he's, he's allowed to just sit next to me while I record, but then he (laughs) wants to walk on the keyboard. Um, but, uh, I, I think there is this sort of like weird, like empowerment thing, um, that people go through to get like extremely mad about like pedophilia right because it's like objectively a bad thing obviously of course. no one is going to debate this but then it's like man if I saw a pedophile trying to human traffic a child I I would not hesitate to beat the hell out of him and it's like okay like it does feed into this like kind of like social media economy of like you know being epic for likes um and it, I think it also um like you like you talked about in the article which everyone should read um it, it does sort of, like, do this kind of, like, depoliticizing work of, like, you know, taking attention away from, like, actual forms of exploitation um, and, uh, you know, recentering it on, like, these kind of reactionary notions of what justice is.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it just completely creates this fantasy world where you're you get to play detective and you get to uh, decode the symbols in all the different logos, find all the triangles um, and and figure out which, um, you know, pizza stores you should storm with your AK-47 rather than, you know, the the thing with child exploitation, with um, child abuse in general, is that it's most often perpetrated by people who are close to the child in terms of family members and in terms of People like sports um, uh, coaches and things like that. People who do have access uh, regularly to children. And this is not to say like you're never safe, not even in the home. It's just mm-hmm. like there are um, there are like other things to be looking at when we're when we're thinking about what how we can actually protect children from harm and from exploitation. And a lot of those things are, um, you know, addressing the material concerns that people are facing because we know under this pandemic, under people losing their jobs at record rates, that um, things like the production of child porn and all forms of domestic violence are climbing. So those are the real kind of structural issues around um, why this is happening and what we can do to stop it.
0: I think it's also of note um, that this movie um, stars, like, a, like, young black Muslim character. Um, And I think that, uh, well, the film is dealing with this sort of relationship between uh, modernity versus tradition. Um, So her Senegalese family is fairly conservative, and this sort of Western um, femininity is all about, like, pursuing like your own individual happiness and freedom and like not wearing uh like modest clothing and everything um Mm -hmm. and there is there i mean there's very much this sort of interesting uh line of argument both in the online discourse and within the world of this film about like purity and preserving that purity and that the child predators um or I I don't want to say that this movie is saying that like the Western influence is like uh like corrupting. This is um, an
1: ISIS movie. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I well well that'd be interesting. <laughs> that'd be a fun movie. But um it, it yeah not not to say that it's doing that, but like there is this sort of like you know need for children to grow up really really quickly because of social media. Like I do see that to a large extent as being true, right? Like um your body image is constantly being like monitored and processed by an audience, um, which I, obviously the movie is very conscious of and critical of. Um, but even it's like depiction in this movie. I, I think that's what most people, even if they've seen the movie and they still don't like it. I think what that, that's what they're mad about is the depiction of like, children being sexualized or them like discovering either their body or the bodies of other people in these new and unexpected ways. Like there's this, like she, the character's watching a video of uh these like girls twerking. And then she's like looking at the asses of women coming out of prayer. And she's like, Oh, like, what is this? So, I mean, it's not like rocket science <laughs> that the movie is like, uh, children, grow into, like, you know, they become aware of sexuality around puberty, right? Like, it's something that, like, begins to dawn on, like, a young person, right? Um, And, like, obviously, it's a very touchy subject um, because I I watched a couple of YouTube reviews of this movie and people were like, man, I... And, like, people I like, too. Like, YouTubers I like, they're like, I could only watch 30 minutes of this disgusting fucking movie because it normalizes (laughs) pedophilia. So that's a really... Like, what do you you think about this sort of, like... Do you think that Cuties normalizes pedophilia? Why or why not?
1: No. I think that it's a movie... I don't think it normalizes pedophilia whatsoever. Like, I think that there are scenes in it which are gratuitous. And I think they are gratuitous because they are a reflection of what you realize as a preteen which is that you do have something that people want and like that's unfortunate uh that it happens so young but it does and like there is this drive and I I came of age like I was this age in the early 2000s so this is like peak um necklaces with like sexy bitch written on them and and stuff like that like that was that was the things that I wanted and the thing and like this was the also the era of the whale tail coming out of your jeans so this is not like this 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 aspect of it felt very true to me like I can't imagine being a young girl now with social media like that must be so so hard um because People, like, I would have been doing that. You know what I mean? Like, if I had had that avenue open to me, I would have. And I thought that things that struck me as very true were, like, going into the chat room with your friends and trying to cyber with someone. Like, we did those things. And that's, like, um, I think that 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 stuff is accelerated. Um, And I think that the point of showing it is to demonstrate this, like, very female perspective of what it is feels like to want that objectification in some kind of ways because it is the only way that you can like articulate bodily autonomy in this very particular way is the feeling of like being desired. And that's when that's that age is when people start feeling that and start wanting that. Um, obviously, like the problem with that is that kids don't have, the ability to think through what they're doing um, or understand the ramifications of what they're doing, um, which is why, you know, we have that scene where she is in the middle of the dance and starts crying because she realizes like what's going on and that it's not, it's not something that she wants to be a part of. Um, so I I just feel like, I feel like for such a, for such a almost like nothing movie, the, the kind of, very performative like disgust and horror is uh, it's just a it's just a lot it's 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 very like victorian almost (laughs) to just be like any any depiction of like um children being like having sexual feelings is automatically um completely taboo It, it just like kind of it doesn't make a lot of sense to me and I feel like if you're like the thing is is that you can't make movies to not appeal to pedophiles like that's so stupid like what what are you gonna do like not have movies about like coming of age or anything because like I bet a pedophile will jerk off to anything I was just watching speaking of pedophiles I was (laughs) watching um I was watching happiness um the 1998 movie have you seen that I haven't seen it it's very good. Um, it would not come out now, but um, it's, uh, it has a whole plot of a, of a pedophile, right? And it's a p- fairly sympathetic um, portrayal, not of the actions, but of the character. And um, they show him at a baseball game, like watching kids play baseball or looking at Teen Beat magazine or whatever um or like whatever kid, kids teen folk teen i don't know that's for adults really but um like all these kinds of things like that i don't feel like you can try to you can't like you can't like not explore certain stories just because like someone bad might watch it and get the wrong idea
0: yeah and that's sort of been a like big point of discussion amongst like powerful people in the united states um about this film um like how it's appealing to pedophiles or like netflix is cornering the pedophile market which i'm like that has to be a very limited source of revenue if you're a (laughs) massive tech giant um but uh i I just want to go through a couple comments from some republican legislature legislators to see uh what they think about so senator tom cotton um Certified Freak says, like any parent, I find Netflix decision to peddle child pornography disgusting and it's criminal. The Justice Department should take swift action. Um, Representative Jim Banks says, as a father of three young daughters, I find cuties sickening. Glad to join Senator Tom Cotton in calling on the Department of Justice to bring charges against Netflix for distribution of child pornography. Jesus Christ. uh, Tim Pool, famous bald man um has like one of his stupid kind of like tweets i feel like this is a big journalism thing but it's like whoa hashtag cancel netflix is currently trending in the u.s at number one um right behind it's a screenshot right behind an an ad for DraftKings. um which is kind of funny um and then ted cruz uh in typical ted cruz uh style wrote a long letter um to the Department of Justice to investigate whether Netflix, its executives, or the filmmakers violated any federal laws against the production and distribution of child pornography. So if the French director of Cuties violated child pornography laws by not having child pornography in their film. So this is, this is it, because I, I see there's like a clear, like that disconnect between like, what the reality of the film is, which to me is a fairly dull examination of like a young girl coming of age and having to deal with these conflicting pressures. Um, We've seen this kind of movie before. Is it gratuitous? Yes, because it's trying to produce this effect of the audience going like, wow, this is wrong, which is Mm -hmm. like pretty elementary, but like that's what the movie's doing. Like any sort of neutral observer would be able to watch that um yeah. and come to that understanding but it is like
1: there was a great you, you know what that reminds me of there's a great tweet that was like every time like Martin Scorsese directs a film he's like I agree with everything that's happening on screen <laughs> you know what i mean like there yeah. there's just this real like baby brained approach to like if it's being depicted it is being shown it's good you know what I mean like this is a cosign the fact that I'm sharing this image or the fact that I'm um you know showing this aspect of something that is dark or uncomfortable or bad means that I am okay with it which the movie is not the movie has a very clear moral message at the end whether or not like it's effective Mm, not 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 so much for me but it does have this like very pointed perspective of like the kid these kids on their damn phones uh, are twerking too much
0: Exactly. I mean, there's there's too much music on their phones. Um, imagine if, like, TikTok was a thing when this movie was being made. Because I think this movie, uh, like we were saying, might be a time, like, a period piece when Vine was still around and the mannequin challenge was big. Um, but, oh, my God, TikTok. Like, there's no point in this. This movie isn't realistic because there isn't a 65-year-old man, um, like, messaging... Um, one of these girls going like, Hello, my TikTok queens, please keep sending in your videos. Um, but uh, I, I think, yeah, it's interesting because like this movie is situated in like a fight that big tech is having with the United States government. Um, not for reasons of like big tech becoming slowly more and more powerful, and they pretty much already control everybody's daily life. Um, and they have all of our data, it is this like. It, it, we're maybe in a new phase where like the Ted Cruz types were very concerned about being shadow banned on Facebook and Twitter um and like that's funny in and of itself right um like this like sort of like freedom of speech argument but now it's like now Netflix is part of the cabal right like Netflix mm-hmm. is doing the work of the pedophilic deep state um you what pedo wood um i Pito also Flix. watched pedo flicks. i i looked through the hashtag on twitter there's so much of that like it is just like people going like wow this is the most disgusting film i have ever seen in my life and we need to cancel hollywood and it's like this is an interesting linguistic thing what does cancel hollywood mean how do you cancel <laughs> hollywood this movie was not made in hollywood right like it's a french movie and like yeah it's distributed by netflix but like using the language of cancel culture around like a multi-billion dollar company <laughs> is very funny. Like, I, I think it's important to underscore with this episode, we are living in one of the most stupid times to be alive, right? Um And to, like the phrase cancel Netflix is great. Not unsubscribe from Netflix. Yeah. Not like, you know, any of that. Um There has been like a small decline in Netflix memberships. Um Like the people on Twitter think like, Wow, like we are beating them because there was like a five percent reduction in subscriptions. but the largest uh, reduction in Netflix subscriptions to date was when Disney plus launched. Um, <laughs> so people decided to stop using Netflix and they switched over to Disney plus. Um, mm-hmm. but their stock is like incredibly valuable. i I looked at this because I was like, you know, has there really been, a material impact on Netflix as a company because of the cuties controversy. Uh, and of course the answer is no. Um, so Netflix has become like extremely more valuable, um, during the pandemic. So, um, in January, its stock price was hovering, uh, just over $300 a share. Um, as of today, it is $469 per share. Um, it was at around 550, but like stock prices fluctuate. Um, so it has been on a consistent sort of upward trend um yeah. like most tech companies have been during the pandemic
1: i'm honestly surprised that they didn't um waver to it because i i i'm i'm a little bit surprised that because this has been such a huge topic and because like companies are cowardly and capital is woke um that they wouldn't just like put out a statement being like we are so sorry for this insensitive portrayal which leads me to believe that the outrage made people watch it right like the outrage if anything like the outrage was it's the joker again it's it's this is like a new thing like this this movie if if this thing hadn't happened where everyone was like oh my god cancel netflix like it would have come and gone with no real fanfare cuz it's not that interesting or good <laughs> right yeah. like it's it's um it's like it, it would have just been like completely unremarkable and so uh, that leads me to believe that there's like a material reason why they didn't bend towards um that and it's not you know artistic integrity and it's not you know uh, to show an important film to the world um that's <laughs> that's like i i can't wait for the for people to like cancel like the, let's get cancel criterion um going because uh you can watch like straw dogs and salo on it let's get that let's get that happening
0: cancel disney plus uh because of lightning mcqueen's uh presence he's an aberration <laughs> of god's creation um cars should not be sentient um truly horrific um yeah, that that's a really interesting point because like the only reason these sort of movies get talked about is either because like they're astonishingly bad and they get written about like oh this is one of the worst movies of the year like I did with the secret dare to dream um, which was a gem I really enjoyed watching that movie because it I do I do think it falls into the so bad's good category um, yeah. but with cuties I would have likely never seen this movie if people weren't talking about it. Um, watching it it's completely inessential right i don't care it's not even like a interesting arthouse film it doesn't take any like interesting filmmaking risks it's just like oh like it's a very um like autobiographical film because the director said like oh i'm basically modeling this character on myself like a young senegalese woman growing up in france being exposed to this stuff and then like as like a director as an older woman she like watch these like girls dancing and it's like, what the hell? They're like 11 years old. What's going on? And then she spent like a year and a half researching their like subculture of like how like young women are experiencing like, you know, social media, the internet, um, these expectations on them. Um, and then produced this film. I, I think it's like fairly good at capturing the social dynamics, um, between like these young women. I definitely, while I was watching it, I was like, while to some degree i want to like you know be a father of like you know any kind of child that the world decides to to give me but oh my god i i would not want to like be a young woman right now it just feels like i i don't want to say it's hell um but like as a young man growing up i didn't have to deal with any of that i mean obviously i had a fair degree of body shame because who doesn't but um just like it's 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 horrific and like extremely traumatic for like all of these characters uh, in the film, so I I think that like I, th- that's the thing that wasn't clicking for me until we had this conversation about cuties. Where like, oh, why are people like performatively upset about cuties? Why is this scandal happening? Where is this Ted Cruz investigation that will result in nothing? This yeah. movie is not pornographic, right? Like, I think it's a, it's intentionally excessive to prove mm-hmm. its point. Which I think is fairly banal, um, but th- this like hype or like hysteria only feeds the discourse, which drives people to go to Netflix to watch the movie, and it doesn't matter if they get mad or if they like it; they're still paying for their Netflix subscription. Exactly. And- this, like, movement of, like, oh, cancel Netflix. The movie Netflix doesn't want you to see. (laughs) It's like, of (laughs) course people are gonna watch it. Don't think of a bank elephant. Don't think of cuties. Like, you know, I watched it for that reason, and it's not that good, and it's just, like, (laughs) okay, moving on to the next thing. Like, this director already has another contract with Netflix to make her next movie with Netflix, and, like, their problem, like, this scandal, if it's not already forgotten, (laughs) will be forgotten soon, and, like, it is just used for this kind of like clickbait economy among like, you know, the daily caller and like Alex Jones and Tim pool and all this shit. So they can get a week of like the leftists defend pedophilia content.
1: Well, and it's just like another thing to add to that, like QAnon brain uh, confirmation bias. Right. Because then it's like, um something I talk about in the article which I think is like essential to understand about like conspiracy thinking and I think that like right-wing or siege thinking in general um is that like evil is always all around you right and it's just like the the demonic liberals are just putting this out in the open they're they're te- you're telling on yourself sis you know what I mean by watch by putting cuties up on your platform and like in the absence of any kind of like justice for stuff like um, the Epstein case, trying to make retribution on this like French uh, woman director um, (laughs) becomes the, the centerpiece of like people who feel like disempowered to do anything else, anything like productive or anything that would actually help, um, help like children. And, and to just go back to that Tulsi Gabbard thing again, this also this whole hysteria, around cuties also feeds into this idea around you know human trafficking in general where people are like every five seconds a child is abducted and their organs are taken out and then they're chained to a bed and a million people have sex with them. Like those things just like don't bear out. And the only, the only people who employ that rhetoric are people who benefit from that, um, narrative going on. So people like anti-trafficking, um, advocacy organizations, which many of them are extremely problematic for a wide variety of reasons, especially in terms of how they treat sex workers. Um, but like yeah it's just it's just an argument that people are like these stats that people throw out without fact checking and you can see so many examples of this where people will just say whatever they want and um because people are so concerned with any kind of criticism of discussions around human trafficking um people don't raise alarms or raise concerns. Um, And this is like, you know, you saw this when SESTA-FOSTA came out in the United States or like the protection of exploited communities acts here in Canada that um, really harm a lot of sex workers. It's very bad for someone to come out and be like, actually I have criticisms of this because then people can very easily um, spin that into you. You're not concerned about exploited children and women. it's like, of course I am. That's why I want to be uh, critical of this kind of, like, very shoddy reporting that people do.
0: Yeah, and uh, it's it's really uh, fascinating because I think that kind of speaks to the way that people process politics on a symbolic level, mostly. Mm -hmm. Um, Not just like, you know, I need to take the correct stances on these hot-button issues, which I think a lot of people do. But this controversy was started because of a poster. I think it's important that like the poster of like young women in like these, you know, eh, like provocative dance outfits or whatever, it's just like this must end, right? Like this is the thing that's bad. And it's like and I'm not saying like this is like a democratic engagement thing like oh, citizens need to be more informed and they all need to watch cuties and then we need to have a cultural conversation about cuties. <laughs> No, I'm too tired. I don't fucking care. I have a podcast where I do this. That's enough for me. But um it like it's not gonna end, right? It's just very stupid. But one element that I think is interesting in the QAnon universe, um, about cuties, um so Jesse Lee Peterson, um a certified insane person, <laughs> I will say that if you've ever listened to him talk, he's clearly living on another planet. Um his he tweeted this on September 14th. The main character in Cutie's is an 11-year-old black girl. In this day and age, there's no way Netflix, um, which he spelt incorrectly, he didn't tag them right, put out the movie Sexually Exploiting a Black Girl without approval from their most influential partners, the Obamas and Susan Rice. Not happening. Hashtag cancel Netflix. So Barack and Michelle Obama consent to to every netflix film that gets released i honestly the reason people aren't hearing so much from obama is he has to watch all these fucking netflix movies with child exploitation and say yep that looks good and he has to keep approving them and it's this is
1: that uh, let me be clear uh i am a pedophile <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, it's so stupid. Like it's and like
1: <laughs> He has to deal I'm, with <laughs> them. What are you talking about? He like they they signed a thing where he's gonna produce some movies. He's not like yeah. directing Netflix. He doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> he just wants to make money.
0: God, yeah, like, you know, uh was it Higher Ground Productions uh gets to put out their movies um about how great the Obamas are. Um and like just going through the hashtag cancel Netflix on Twitter um, is a very entertaining project. Like people get mad that the movie's is trending. Um, people are excited that the cancellation rates are up because I think um, five times the normal average of people are canceling their Netflix subscriptions um, post-release of this movie. Um, and uh, for context, I think 12 times the normal average of people canceled their subscriptions when Disney Plus came out. So, this isn't, like, a monumental, um, moment in, like, you know, Netflix's membership rates. Like, they're not gonna, they're not gonna fail because of this. But, like, people see themselves in a digital war Mm -hmm. against Netflix, against the cabal. And, like, Mm -hmm. I think this is also, uh, like, fairly, um, interesting because this has, like, obviously a lot of, uh, Overlap with the the save the children online and partially in the real world movement, um, where like people would protest like at outside of Netflix or outside of CNN or in Canada like outside the CBC or something and go like they need to bring back Anne with an E um but sorry <laughs> Anne with an E heads I'm sorry please don't get mad at me I watched an episode <laughs> I will say I watched an episode of Anne with an E and it seemed fine um but uh I
1: watched it I feel like I I'm past the point uh we've reached peak uh Anne of Green Gables society has progressed past the need for Anne of Green Gables <laughs>
0: We need to return to tradition. The only books available to children are Anne of Green Gables, but um, it, it is well, like it's
1: much better than that demonic Harry Potter stuff.
0: Oof, exactly. Which, if
1: you give to your child now, you're a turf.
0: You know what i i don't uh, I don't want children to stop reading Harry Potter for um, cancel culture reasons um, <laughs> or like because J.K. Rowling's a turf. I want them to stop reading it because of the Satanism. Um, that's my concern <laughs> with the boy wizard books. But uh yeah like we do live in an extremely dumb time and uh like these people like the the rhetoric of at least like the hashtag um cancel netflix is very much like we are at war with netflix um and we need to we need to push netflix to the right <laughs> um but uh i mean i'm i'm doing it right like i'm a part of that like online economy where like You know, the bad movie comes out and I need to make my content about it. But these people, they're like posting Netflix stock prices and it goes down 1% and they're like, good job, Netflix. Like, fuck you. (laughs) And it's like, guess what? It's going to go up tomorrow. Um, Netflix equals pedophiles. Um, Okay. Um, Like, yeah, I saw like pedo wood and everything. And it's like, even like, and like, I'm not, I live in fucking Alberta. I'm not an expert on la like culture and everything obviously there's probably a lot of sex crime (laughs) that happens in hollywood Mm -hmm. i don't think the the substance of like the like actual like malfeasance and abuse and exploitation in hollywood comes from the movies that get put out (laughs) i would say it's the treatment of people in the industry right and like it's it's just this fantastic brain that people have because the number one thing that people think is of importance is media the movies and tv and the posts and the content that they see and um even watching youtube reviews of this again like from some people i like it's just like this is sickening this is disgusting netflix you've gone too far and it's like they've posted like actual like ideologically bad things right (laughs) like it's it's just like yeah I i think that's really interesting
1: But this is the thing, right? Just like a lot of politicians won't stand, like, won't take a stand against something that's called the, you know, saving the girl next door act uh, out of Ontario and maybe uh, coming to Alberta. Like, if you're going to come on and log on and then be like, um, actually, Cuties was a nothing movie. And (laughs) it's, you're stupid to be hysterical about it. You're now a pedophile, right? You're now co-signing because there's no, like, uh, like, there's no grappling with, like, nuance that happens. And I don't want to be one of those people that's like, you can't have a real conversation on Twitter. That's not what I mean. But I just mean, like, outrage culture is such that um, it could be it, it could be turned on you, like, real quick, you know, that, that you're now one of the people that's enabling this exploitation of children, which is just so patently ridiculous.
0: Yeah, I saw a lot of that sort of uh, commentary where um, there are, like, people with, like, weird like positive comments about cuties and it's like okay like maybe they're just a stupid person but then like all the tweets are like so that sounds like something a pedophile would say yeah and it's exactly like, and yeah.
1: someone someone put up a, a screen grab of like i think it was the new york times or something wrote a review of cuties where they were like this is like a, a, a intimate portrait of a coming of age in like a society that's like terrified of child sexuality or something and then people were like reposting it and with it with like commenting on it quote tweeting it being like wow mask off time you know what i mean it's so stupid
0: and uh yeah it, it is like it's another movie in that classic tradition of like you know choose your side is this movie good or bad Mm -hmm. because the movie got review bombed on rotten tomatoes so it has a tomato meter of 85 percent an audience score of 13 Mm percent and on imdb i think it has like a two um so it's like it's just the same as the room now and since our world is like so controlled by algorithms like this feels like the only kind of like power that people have is as a consumer um pressuring their content providers um to take a bold stance against child exploitation and thank god if they delete um cuties from netflix and post an (laughs) apology and instead run like trump 2020 ads or something then all actual child like abductions exploitation um and child labor around the world will end Um,
1: well as you know politics is downstream from culture
0: absolutely yep (laughs) i i take that to heart and That's what informs my entire life.
1: I'm a materialist, but I still think that Cuties is the number one contributor to uh, child exploitation.
0: I'm a materialist, and you know what's a material? A movie. And the movie (laughs) makes me think bad, so we need to delete the movie. So, uh, Laura, do you have final thoughts (laughs) on uh, the 2020 uh, French coming-of-age classic Cuties?
1: Um... Not really. Like I watched it and it was like, uh, you remember that little cute video of the raccoon washing the cotton candy and it disappears. Oh yeah. That's, that's cuties. I remember a few, a couple things, but I barely remember it. And um, yeah, I mean, I guess if you want to be a culture warrior, watch it, but otherwise you can skip this one. Um, but it's really, it's not, it's not as bad as you think it is.
0: I was also not into it. Um, I, It's like, it wasn't an abominable film or anything. And I think there's some moments where, like, you know, the filmmaking stands out. Like, it's very point-of-view driven. Um, pretty strong characterizations throughout. I oh, think it's well-casted.
1: Yeah, the, the I hope all the actors get a lot more work off of this because a lot of them were really fantastic. Like, the mom, the little girl who was the main girl, um, her friend, like, the the kind of Latino, Latina friend. Um, they were all fantastic. So I hope that they get lots of work.
0: Yeah, but uh, overall, I'd say, like... You know, it it's only ninety minutes. It doesn't feel like it's ninety minutes. It feels a God, lot longer than that. It very long. <laughs> it, it's very meandering. Um, but uh, I think conceptually fairly interesting. Um, but for the uh, mind virus that it's brought um, to the internet for at least maybe a week longer uh, until it's lost. Um, you know, I'd say it wasn't worth it. Um, I. <laughs> it's uh It's funny. I I imagine the the internet. Uh, the internet explorers of the future um, diving into the catacombs of posts trying to discover what the mannequin challenge was um, (laughs) and then like uncovering this movie Um, but yeah that's our thoughts on cuties uh, and now let's enter a beloved fan favorite segment Recomradations where we tell you pieces of media, life experiences, or anything else under the sun that we've enjoyed this week, and we want to bring to you the Kino Lefter audience. So, Laura, how about you start us off?
1: Well, um, I did mention 1998's uh, Happiness. I just re-watched it. I've been watching uh, movies with with Caitlin, um, making her watch movies like I'm her my boyfriend, um, and so this was one that I had I had watched when I was in my early 20s, but I was like, I wonder if it if it holds up and it's so fucking good. Like it is, uh, it's got a lot of your faves. Um, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, RIP King is in it. Gives a great performance. Laura Flynn Boyle, uh, is in it as well. And, um, it's just a super, super, super great movie. Um, and something that you will, you will never forget some of the images from, from that film. So 1998's happiness.
0: Nice. I have two this week. Um, one is a movie that I've wanted to watch. For, both of them are movies I've wanted to watch for a long time, and I was pleasantly surprised with how much I love them. The first is the 2018 Steve McQueen movie, Widows. Um, so, um, this, th- the cast is fantastic. Viola Davis, Michelle Rodriguez, Elizabeth Debicki, uh, and then all of their husbands are, you know, John Bernthal. You're Liam Neeson's. Um, so this is a movie is where Liam
1: Neeson doing American accent, or...
0: Uh, ooh, yeah, I think he's American in this movie. He always has—he
1: always has a great accent. Bad, a bad accent, but a memorable one.
0: And Steve McQueen's never made a bad movie. Um, and this is definitely his most pulpy film because it is like a, an adaptation of like a British TV show. Um, where these like there are these criminals who die, uh, pulling like one last job, and then their widows, uh, decide to uh do like one last job to get the money to like right all of the wrongs. And since Steve McQueen's directing it and he, like, co-wrote it, it's a really smart, um, like, interrogation of what, like, American power and corruption looks like. Um, it has a beautiful soundtrack. Uh, Hans Zimmer did it. And there's, like, some, like, Nina Simone uh, needle drops in there. Um, really stylish. I mean, it's it's Steve McQueen. He did 12 Years a Slave. <laughs> and Like, shame. Um, so this has made me want to go back and, and watch some of his other movies. Um, I never saw Hunger, so... That's one I've wanted to watch. I heard
1: that's really good. That's one that's on my list too.
0: Nice. And my second for the week, uh, I've been watching the Halloween films uh, that I haven't caught because before I had only seen the first two and the latest remake uh, from 2018, which I really responded to. Um, So I watched Halloween 3 Season of the Witch um, from uh, 1982. And this movie is phenomenal. (laughs) Um, It's the only Halloween movie to not feature Michael Myers, um, and is it is about uh, the Silver Shamrock Halloween Mask Company, um, and how people are using ancient Celtic magic to sacrifice children and also create androids. Q movie, yeah, <laughs> it's it's it is pretty much a Q movie. Um, but uh, it's also one of those kinds of movies where like a middle aged guy can just be like uh, the star of a movie. Um, he also does sleep with a twenty two year old, <laughs> and uh, it's like. Well, it's problematic. Stacy Nelkin was also extremely hot in that movie, so I couldn't criticize it. Um <laughs> but yeah, fantastic cast, really fun movie. Um and uh yeah, well worth a watch. Can't believe I haven't seen it until now, but uh if you haven't seen Halloween 3 Season of the Witch, I highly recommend it. So Laura, that brings us to the end of the show. Um where can people find you on the internet? And uh how can people how can people read your work. How can people read what what you're putting out these days?
1: Yeah, so uh, my my column, which is called the Red String, which is about conspiracy collaboration, um, it comes out about once a month on Progress uh, Alberta's um, kind of progress report. Type thing, so you can follow Progress Alberta. I'll be on there, um, as well as lots of other people. Abdul writes for them as well, um, and uh, I'm also on there uh, on the Progress Report that podcast. So you can definitely subscribe to them as well, um, and then just follow me on Twitter.com at underscore Saturn Return. You know where to find me, and uh, if you're not following me already, that's rude.
0: <laughs> it's very wrong if you're not following Laura yeah. and you've listened to the show for this long. <laughs> So, uh, things you can do, uh, after you've listened to this fantastic episode of Kino Lefter, you can rate and review the show on iTunes. And if you say nice things, I will read it on the show. You can go to patreon.com forward slash Kino Lefter, where for $3 a month, you can get Primo Lefter, uh, the weekly premium podcast that you love to hear. I just did an episode on the first three episodes of the boys season two. Uh, I've been enjoying that show so far, um, uh, exciting content coming up that you won't want to miss. Uh, and we also have a Lefter Discord, which you can join and chat with your new internet friends who also love the podcast. So Laura, thank you so much for coming on the show this week. Always a pleasure to see you again um, in, in the podcast game, <laughs> especially. Um, and uh, to to the listeners, thank you so much for tuning in this week. And I'll be back with you next week for another exciting episode. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Kino Lefter is part of a loose affiliation of left-wing podcasts hosted by the bilingual journalism collective Ricochet.
1: This network includes News You Can Use, Well Reds, Out of Left Field, Radio Free Winnipeg, 49th Parahealth and more.
0: Support Canadian podcasting, support Canadian media, and support Ricochet at ricochet.media great podcast. Check them out.